You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. What up, though? Um, I don't know. Every time I say hey, y'all, I always think of that Vine video. Hey, Vine! <laughs> um, but what's up? It's the new kids. Welcome back. We are so excited to get this episode kicked off. If you don't already know, I'm Maine. And I'm Shy. And we are the new kids. So, to get us started, Sharai, do you have um, a candidate for the Millennial Minute? I do. So, here's the thing. Okay. Um, I just so happened to come across this young lady's Instagram page, so I don't know her actual name. So, Miss Lady Ma'am, just understand that, you know, I don't know your name, but I appreciate you, though. So, um, my millennial minute is going to go to, um, this business called every bit of bossy and they, um, she created these business bags. So they're like, um, totes and some of them are clear and they have like writing on the sides. And then there's some, like a couple of different materials and they have like different business slash motivational things on it. Like one of the bags says, um, I started the business or girl start your business um, or love your favorite business boss, I think is what it says. So there's a couple different sizes, a couple different types of bags. And these bags are very affordable. I'm actually going to order some today. Probably. I think I saw one for like $15. So definitely go check her out at every bit of or via her Instagram at every bit of bossy. Okay. Now, for my Millennial Minute, I don't remember if I have chosen her before, but if I have, too bad. I'm going to do it again because she's great. I am going to give my spotlight, my spotlight, my (laughs) girl. That sounds like something naughty. I know, right? perfect that you said it. Exactly. (laughs) Um, I'm going to give my spotlight to... Uh, a young lady named Asma. She is the creator of the Black Art Library. You can find her on Instagram at Black Art Library. She is a Detroit native. And um, as of, what is this? As of December 2021, her collection has grown to uh, 500 books, focusing on Black artists um, and books that exhibit their work. So, Um, If you look at her Instagram, it's curated beautifully and it highlights and showcases books about black art and so much more. And I, anybody who knows me knows I'm an avid reader. I love books and I've actually had a few conversations with Asma. um, And I'm just so excited about her initiative with the Black Art Library, her eventually getting to a brick and mortar space and her partnerships. So definitely make sure you go check out her Instagram. It's uh, Black Art Library very easy for you to find definitely go engage and support her work because she's doing great work 
Hey, it's lit. It's amazing, like, how many amazing businesses there are ran by our generation of people. I don't know. I still be feeling young. Like, we are young. I mean, we are, but, like, we grown, though, if that makes sense. Like, sometimes I really yeah. talk, like, wow, I'm really grown. Like, I had to call my mama about a question about my benefits earlier. I'm like, oh, I'm not grown for real. Well, you know, what's interesting is I was having a conversation with someone because we talk about, um, you know, like the different age types, like millennials, Gen Z, boomers, things like that. But I don't think that we really think about the ages of what makes up these groups. And so, like, for millennials, they say that the millennial age group is between 25 and 40. But in the conversation that I was having, a lot of people, we were talking about how there are a lot of boomer millennials, like that, <laughs> that you know, 38 to 40 group who mm-hmm. don't realize that they are millennials. They act like um, Gen X or boomers. And it's just so funny to me how... A lot, I think a lot of workplaces and a lot of boomers don't understand the age groups either because they call, you know, the they ones younger than us millennials. And it's like, they are not millennials. That's a whole nother generation of people, um, you know, people under 25. So it, I just think it's funny that age range of millennials being 25 to 40 years old. When you really look at it, think about the people, you know, who are, you know, 38 and up, uh-huh. do you really look at them as millennials? No. Yeah, I don't either. And <laughs> Most I, they don't, times I don't, I don't, just because I feel like they kind of like identify more with um, whatever generation is before the millennials. Gen X. Gen X. Aren't they the forgotten generation? That's Gen what X? they, yes, that's what they like to call themselves. Well, it, it's clearly accurate because I forgot. So, <laughs> um, I think that the, the older millennials are closer to that age group. Like, they feel like they're a part of that age group. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, we've grown out here now, and it's crazy. It it's crazy. is. But it's a beautiful thing to see, like, all of these um, businesses. Because I do feel like, granted, other generations do have a lot of, you know, businesses and um, entrepreneurial ventures and such but i feel like with the millennial generation it's completely different like there's so many people starting their own businesses and doing their own thing and it's just amazing so shout out to y'all um you know and for people who i've had conversations with in the last couple of weeks um they know that i've been reading bad blood which is a story of elizabeth holmes and her company the Reynolds, out in california and she's fairly young. I think she's a millennial. But what fascinates me about her story is that, number one, she was able to pretty much scam all of these people out of all this money, but that she is so young. Mm. And, you know, a lot of times when you have young people trying to disrupt a space or trying to initiate change, they don't get that buy-in. And so it's really interesting to read her story because as a millennial and as a woman, on one side, you want to root for her because it's like, yes, you know, she's making it happen. But on the other side, it's like, but she's scamming. 
Like she's not what she's doing is would be great if it actually worked and if it was actually true. But it's not and people are giving her all this money and she's able to do all this stuff. So okay. Yeah, like being a millennial is it, we're at a very interesting time. Very. Very, very interesting. But on today's episode, um, our topics, because, you know, first and foremost, I don't think a lot of our friends realize that we have, this is a business podcast. (laughs) I think people forget that. And I'm like, I don't know how, when we always started off with, you know, shouting out other businesses, we used to only interview entrepreneurs. I mean, there's I think maybe they, been one person that I can think of that was on the show that's not an entrepreneur. Yeah, I can only, I think we think about the same person and yes, but maybe, but we're going to talk about that later. Uh, but it's, <laughs> I think it's because the traditional face of business, I get that. So, and people know us and so they... They expect our usual brand of chaos, which this season has been filled with a little bit more chaos than usual. But mm-hmm. first and foremost, you know, business is at the heart of what we do. And so this mm-hmm. episode is we're going to talk about a few different situations that have uh, surfaced throughout social media in the past couple of weeks. But we're going to give our take on it from a business perspective, a main and shy perspective. <laughs> And we're just going to see how that goes. Yeah. Let's try it out. See what happens. So, um, which one do you want to start with first, Shariah? Let's start with Big Grapes. Oh, Lord. Let's okay. See. Well, as if you don't know, Shariah and I are in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a governor. You know, Gretchen Whitbridge. And Gretchen has been in the news, national news, a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> over the past few years, especially with her response to the pandemic. Um, some crazy white folks tried to kidnap her. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these different things have happened. And based on, um, based on, I think, the kidnapping plot and pressures that she was receiving from our Republican legislator, I feel like her response to the pandemic has definitely changed since the initial onset of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and the most recent change is that Michigan no longer has a statewide mask mandate. Um, and she's recommending that, you know, Michigan is getting quote unquote back to normal. Mm-mm. Now, <laughs> but it is- so I kind of understand why she's doing that. I mean, personally, I'm going to wear my mask. Yeah. But um, because the CDC guidelines are getting ready to change. And I think that, you know, certain private institutions, businesses, they can continue to um, enforce mask mandates. Uh, I believe a lot of our counties are starting to drop the mask mandate but it was clear um months ago like Mm -hmm. shari and i went to boy mountain along with some friends and girl forgot about that yes and they weren't nobody up there was wearing a mask they was looking at us like we was crazy for wearing masks 
Okay. But also, you know, the color of their skin was very different than ours. So that told you right there that there was going to be some differences. Um, And I think that, you know, we're going to see some differing opinions from, um, you know, different institutions. Some people may keep there. Some people may get rid of it. Of course, people are going to have their opinions. Um, I think it's very interesting looking at the demographics of counties like Oakland and Washtenaw who've been very vocal about not having mask mandates versus more predominantly black areas. Uh-huh. Um, and I have, I have started hearing rumblings of people talking about, we are now starting to approach the downturn of this pandemic. And so what that is going to look like for us as a country moving forward is going to be very interesting. It is. I actually just read this. Um, there was a thread on Twitter and this um, young lady, I believe, was telling, like, was talking about how back when the um, world wars were happening, how, like, it completely changed things forever. Something as simple as dating is no that. longer normal. I like, saw that about how basically the men came back with PTSD and they weren't looking forward to like going out and having fun. And they only were marrying these foreign women, uh, beca- not only because, but they felt like the foreign women were more supportive of them or better understood them because they had been in the war as well. So like yeah. they basically left American women being like, okay, so who are we supposed to date or whatever? So I, I say that to say, I could see this being, very similar in an well, yeah. aspect of like some people are going to feel like let's jump right back in take these masks off go back to the clubs party and whatever else and then there's going to be another group that are like nah I'm cool Um, you know I feel like none of the problems that we face as a society are new problems you know we mm-hmm. can always pinpoint some sort of phenomenon with the exception of technology for the most part uh, that has already occurred in history and what that response look like, looks mm-hmm. like. Um, it's, it's very interesting to me how Americans and, um, adjacent countries like Canada respond to, um, areas of public health versus mm-hmm. other countries and other cultures because I don't, I don't know if you remember, um, or if you've had a similar lesson. And I can't remember if this was like something we learned in like elementary, middle school or high school, but I can remember talking about different cultures and how some are more, uh, people centered or family centered and others are uh-huh. more singular, like, you know, selfish. Uh-huh. And I was looking at, uh, I saw a tweet not too long ago from, um, an Asian reporter who had, who was discussing, she didn't understand why Americans were so resistant and hesitant to wearing masks because, you know, her country, they, even without a pandemic, they wear masks just as a sign of respect and selflessness in regards to others. Like, uh-huh. it's not such a big deal to wear a mask to protect yourself and others from 
you know, the cold, the flu or any other airborne disease or things like that. And it, I remember seeing this like a couple of weeks ago uh, when they first started talking about Canadians protesting the mask mandate and they were hanging or they were like waving Trump flags and Confederate flags <laughs> in Canada. And I'm like, did I miss like, something? Y'all, like, like the whole Canadian. thing, like, the, the protest in Canada, the thing that really like, I guess I've just kind of been thinking about it more now, like during the pandemic is how much Americans rely on other countries. So like that small, um, that small time frame where they were protesting and blocking off the um, ambassador bridge and, you know, other entrances was causing a big. Yeah. It's completely disrupting. For the automotive industry specifically, for those that don't know, I work in the automotive industry. So that kind of stuff like, you know, sticks out to me. It's like, okay, so these few days caused us to have more chip shortages, more part shortages. Like, and I'm thinking to myself, like, does this not like, are you not concerned? Like, because if, what if they just decide to stop doing business with us? Bro, it just, it, I'm still stuck on the fact that they was waving Trump flags and (laughs) it's Canada dog. Like, I'm like, y'all person is the queen. Like, how are we, how is that the thing? Like, that's like, (laughs) you know, things are separate, but stupid is universal. That's like us in Detroit being like, (laughs) long live Queen Elizabeth. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what? Like, it blew she my had mind. Nothing to do with you. It blew my mind that they, and then I was like, they got, and another point that is also mind blowing to me is that they got kids mm-hmm. per- actively participating in this protest. Like, I had tweeted, uh, some months ago when, like, certain counties and certain school districts were arguing about the mask mandate and the continuation of it. And there was this clip of this one little boy without a mask standing in front of like a panel. And mm-hmm. one of the quotes, he said, you know, I'm, I'm so adorable. Why would you want to cover this up? And in that moment, I was <laughs> like, have, have people really lost their mind? First of all, mean? adorable or not, put your, like, just, it's not that hard. It's, I think it just, we've talked about this before too, is it just really has shown how selfish people are. I'm like, can you read? <laughs> right. Like, and you out here protesting, looking stupid. It, this one um, young man from Pennsylvania, um, I was reading it last night. He wanted to get vaccinated, but his immediate family is like anti-vax, pro-Trump and everything else. So they have significantly different political views to the point where like their family gatherings are cut short because of how much they argue or whatever about politics. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted to get vaccinated and his mom, his parents wouldn't let him. So shout out to this young man. He basically has found any and every way to stay out of that house with them. So he's like picking up extra shifts at work. He's, you know, doing a lot of after school activities or whatever. And he did his own research and found out that in his state or in a certain city in his state, I can't remember what city it was, um, 
you only have to be 16 to um, be able to provide medical consent. So he went to that city because his aunt lives there, mm. like hanging out with his aunt and got vaccinated. He didn't even tell his aunt until after. And his aunt is like pro vaccine. And, you know, so is the rest of that part of the family. And he wanted to be able to continue to visit his grandmother. So he, you know, wanted to get vaccinated so that he never would. Well, not that he never would get her sick, but so that he would have less has, yeah, better protection. Yeah. And so he went ahead and did it. And like the only reason they found out about it is because his whole family got COVID and he didn't get it. Oh, <laughs> and then like, it's not funny, but it's not, but it's like, and then they got mad at him. Like they got real mad at him. They cut off all the rest of the family that knew about him being vaccinated. Like it was just a whole thing. And it's like, are y'all really willing to let politics or your your own personal thoughts ruin your relationship with your child? Some people are. There was um I saw another article similar to this where some people were lying to their spouses about being vaccinated. Like they mm -hmm. went and did it, but they were hiding it because kind of the same thing. And so that's just wild to me. Like why you got these kids protesting on the bridge? These can these kids tell you their ABCs? Like, what is happening? They should be in school. And They're I always felt that way about kids, even in like, you know, um, any type of protest or anything, because my, my biggest thing has always been, you never know when those things are going to turn left. On top and of the fact, you got freaking kids out here. On top of the fact that it's cold, and you on a bridge <laughs> over water. First of all, and I don't feel like that bridge is all that stable anyway. Listen, <laughs> be holding my breath driving over it if i ever have to go over the ambassador bridge i'll be like you know what god <laughs> you know what's one like normally i don't you know too much freak out about driving places but when we had, took that um the tunnel to canada i said no yeah more. never no more because this like this is wild i'm like there's cracks in this are we going okay it's <laughs> like is this is this gonna be like the day after tomorrow type <laughs> I'm like, bro, I can't swim. I can't. <laughs> Duh. Okay. So, <laughs> yes. Our take on uh, the decision in Michigan to end the mask mandate. More to come on what will happen and how that looks like for Detroiters and Michiganders. Yes. And I just feel like we're going to... Enter a clip of that man. Wear your mask. Wear your mask. Okay. So, oh, what God. is our next topic? So, while we're talking about Big Gretch, we might as well go into this next gentleman. Now, let me put this disclaimer out here right now. What they be calling them, the hollaback girls and the hollaback boys. Oh, Jesus. Mind our business. Don't come over here. Don't you come over here messing with us, okay? Now, for those of you who don't know the story of Mr. Joel Jones, um, <laughs> he, um, to make it really condensed, because we don't even have time to go into all the foolishness that he did, but um, basically he was pulled over, he was intoxicated and driving down the freeway when they did pull him over and start arresting him. He started saying stuff like call Big Gretch and call somebody else who I believe was like the chief of police or something. 
Um, but basically, he's a state state representative from Michigan, and he was trying to use his uh, political connections to basically get out of jail for um, drunk driving. And so when they did take him to jail and decided on like house arrest or whatever, the man like cut his house arrest bracelet off. He got foolishness. Arrested, got arrested again and had a key, a handcuff key taped to the bottom of his foot. Like, just a bunch of just BS. And I feel like this whole entire time he has lacked accountability. I mean, from the time of his arrest until now, there have been a long list of shenanigans coming from Mr. Jones. (laughs) (laughs) And it just, anytime you thought it wasn't going to get no worse. Girl, because when he popped up with them Harry Potter glasses on, I said, hey, get me out of here. It just continued the spiral out of control. And so here we are in the Lord's year of 2022. Mm-hmm. And mind you, this all happened in 2020, right? Uh, I, hold on. Let me see. I want to say it was 2020. I think it was 2020, but I'm double checking because I don't want nobody to be like, y'all need to check y'all facts. So that's what I'm doing right now. I'm pretty sure it was 2020. I'm going to go with 2020. That craziness of him attempting to escape, I just cannot. <laughs> Listen, just doing the absolute most. And so now, I guess he calls himself being accountable or whatever and has entered into a plea deal and started in um, issuing public apologies. Mm-hmm. In this uh, very childish font. I'm like, Girl- who going to read this? Like... My niece, who is seven, can write something better than that. <laughs> like, okay, he should call my girl. Wow! So this actually is twenty. It, it, I believe it occurred in twenty twenty one. The the original um issue. The charges stemming from a drunken driving arrest last year, and this article just came out a few days ago. So twenty twenty one. Okay. Um, it's 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 very interesting that he's now pleading guilty. Um, it's very interesting how nobody, including Mister Jewel, or anyone who called themselves a supporter, re- refused to address the issue of accountability. Like nobody yeah. is saying that he's a bad person, but when you continue to disregard accountability and double down (laughs) on this blatant (laughs) disregard of accountability nobody is going to look at you in a positive light and like so for those of you who are not um michigan listeners i'm just going to give you a, a a small example of this um this letter that he issued and keep in mind it's in some very um interesting font it says, Trooper Harden, greeting you in peace and love. I pray all is well with you and yours. I'd sincerely like to apologize for my inflammatory language on April 6, 2021 and actions. We quote unquote black men, not the quotes are really there. I didn't make that up. <laughs> we quote unquote black men have a hard enough time in our own struggle for justice and already have enough enemies as it is. To make the drastic mistake of attacking each other and adding more weight to an already unbearable load. 
Though I believe things were mishandled that day on I-96, I played a role in the fiasco. No hard feelings. May the grace and mercy of the God of Israel be multiplied upon you. If he sounds like he say he grand rising. <laughs> he probably do. If I can ever be of assistance, do not hesitate to reach out to me directly. Yours in service, Joel Jones. Um, and it's still very accountability missing. It's very interesting that this position about the issues that black men suffer is very a very different tune mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. what his original stance was on. And not to say that people can't change their um, you know, opinions or ideology, but when people are giving you access, tools, resources, guidance to go down that path and you blatantly refuse and then when it's convenient for you, now all of a sudden it's switched up. I just find that very interesting. Um, I'm also reading here that as a part of his plea deal, he will likely only get probation and won't have to resign from his position. <laughs> and <laughs> this sounds like a bad episode of Scandal. Man, but it's so funny because I remember people asking, like, bro, what do you do? Like, and that's Nick- the thing. Like, I feel like for me personally, and I can only speak, you know, about my thoughts. When I originally started hearing stuff about him, it was many, many years ago. And I was just like, oh, well, this is exciting. You know, a young man in politics and I wanted good things for him. Right. I think everybody did. But now you out here acting a fool. And you and you cannot. You cannot try to throw your position in people's faces when your. Your record is public information. You know, like people can pull up any initiatives that you supported, mm-hmm. any any type of legislation you introduce. People that's actually that's information that's accessible to the public. So exactly. And like what I don't like is when you are being held accountable for your actions. Now you want to bring up race. Now you want to bring up religion. Exactly. Now you want to talk about your political standings or whatever. Like to me, that just, I don't even know what the right word for it. I was going to say a narcissist, but I feel like that's wrong, even though he's probably that too. <laughs> I feel like he, yeah. I mean, there, I'm sure there are plenty of words to describe this young man. Like, but... I just, ooh, I can't stand when people do that. Like, Regardless of what your belief is, you don't get to do something bad to people and then be like, oh, but God bless you. Right. Um, (laughs) Like what? I hope this young man continues to get the help that he needs or seeks out help if he has not done so already. He needs some real strong mentorship, leadership and support to guide him. I hope he has a therapist. Oh, child. I think he's going to need more than that. A psychiatrist, a yes. psychologist. He gonna need to lay on the couch. A dentist. All, everybody. Every all doctor right. that you can get a hold of. Get them all. Who Chile? <laughs> Every doctor that's within uh, whatever benefits they within give. They power. The just use it all. <laughs> okay. Use all of it. I know it's the beginning of the year, but just it's all right. <laughs> just use it all. Use your flex spending if you got to. I don't Please. know. Because... That's just too much, like way too much. I just, Ooh. I don't know. This is why, Jermaine, you need to run for a state, state rep. I'm sorry, what? 
Woo! <laughs> you couldn't even get it out. <laughs> you couldn't even get it out because you know Woo. how foolishly. You that know. Was... I remember somebody told me, like, I think you should run for office. And I'm like, office of what? Office of where? Um, this is this situation is also to me very reminiscent of Kwame. Yeah, you know, witnessing Kwame as a child, and now being at the age that Kwame was when he was elected mayor, like at thirty-one years old, they really. It's almost like they set him up to fail. And not to say that, of course, he was not responsible for his own actions because he absolutely was. And, you know, he does bear some responsibility. But nobody, there was no helping hand. Like, and if there was, it wasn't strong enough. Because can you imagine trying to run the city at 31? Listen, sitting here right now on this couch being 31 I just told y'all I still had to call my mama about a benefits question child so no (laughs) it's hard as I'm trying to run a podcast at 31 listen because y'all don't yeah y'all don't understand the work we be doing and we be tired okay we tired right now Oh, okay. We need to we need to have like a little catchphrase that wraps up each segment. Bye. I'm gonna think no, on that. <laughs> Not bye. Oh my god. Okay. So can you imagine us just me and Doug like, okay, bye, and then <laughs> and then keep talking. Girl. Oh my god. Okay. Next Ooh. topic, please. All right. So up next, we're gonna throw a little bit of a little bit of I don't even know what to call it, like entertainment news, I guess. So, for those of you who have not um, been seen on social media today, uh, Miss Monique, aka the Bonnet Police, the Bonnet Bandit, <laughs> the Bonnet Bandit, um, has been speaking on her experiences uh, being a black woman in the entertainment industry. So, um, I, from what I'm reading here. She had a comedy special recently. Um, mm-hmm. um, and she was talking about her experiences. And what she said was, um, according to Essence, is, no, I was not blackballed. I was whiteballed by some black D words who had no... Blackball. I mean, I feel like we've said a lot worse on this. Yeah, we have, but it's okay. I'm trying to do better. Um, so she's basically, uh, what she's saying to her is that ultimately she was not um, they was it was white men who tarnished her career, but with the help of some pretty prominent black names. So she says, um, so thank you, Mr. Lee Daniels. Thank you, Mr. Tyler Perry. Thank you, Miss Oprah Winfrey. No, baby, I wasn't black bought. It would kill me not to say the real spill. Uh, you are not paying me equally. You are not treating me fairly. And y'all can suck my D if I had one. So. um. I don't blame Monique for being upset um, at all because I understand like being a black woman in, in any profession can be difficult, especially when you feel like you don't have the support of other people that look like you. But my problem with Monique is that she'll do these things like, you know, 
taking a picture of the young lady who wasn't dressed to her liking or talk about people wearing bonnets and queens should do this and giving very much respectability politics all the time. But then you come and say stuff like this, like the way you talking, you might as well have a bonnet on your head too, sis. Yeah, I think that that's not, I think that people in Monique's generation have that problem where they they don't see themselves in the people that they talk about. You know, like when she was talking about that girl at the airport, she did, she didn't see herself as a black woman or as mm-hmm. a young black woman. She saw that young lady as, like you said, um, not putting not putting on a certain image for people to respect her. Mm-hmm. And what bothers me about that is that I don't understand why people, especially older black people, are still holding on to respectability politics when it is very clear that it is it has never worked. It will not work. Like and it's rooted in racism. Absolutely. And Monique herself is dealing with respectability politics. So for you to for you to be experiencing this and you're talking about your experience and then turn around and separate yourself from this other person while perpetuating the same thing that you just talked about your experience is such an, it's so amazing that people have that dissonance between what they can perpetuate and what they experience. Uh It's almost like when when, uh, white people say, oh, I'm not racist. I have a black friend. Oh, that really burns me up. Or when black people allow white people to perpetuate racist things around them because they don't, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like they don't see themselves as black or they don't treat me like that. They may treat other black people like that, but not me. Yeah. You don't, number one, what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, what What I think is interesting about this Monique situation is that This is not a new conversation. It's really not. It's, and I think part of what made it like come back around is that she said something along the lines of like, basically, I guess she was trying to have like sit downs and conversations with these people. And um, Mr. Medea said that he would first he said he wasn't going to sit down and talk with her and he just didn't want nothing to do with it. Blah, blah, blah. She had a mutual friend. Um, Monique had a mutual friend reach out to Tyler Perry and he said, you know, he wasn't going to sit down and talk with her, blah, blah, blah. So then the, the, whoever uh, Monique was talking to comes back on the phone with her, like, okay, look, he really not, this ain't what he trying to do. So then during that same conversation, Tyler Perry called back and told the girl, like, or the lady, I will talk to Monique, but I won't talk to Monique's husband. Mm. And that's also like a weird, yeah, it's a weird dynamic there. It, um, it's very weird. And it's weird to me because I have always felt, and this is just me personally, I have always felt like her husband is doing a lot of the pushing on this. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, some of her social media videos or just like things where he's been present, his presence is very ominous. It's very weird. Mm-hmm. Um. But, you know, Monique has been sharing her story for a while. And this is not something that is like 
I mean, some people will still say that it's not true or hearsay, but at this point, it's very clear that she was blackballed um, and that, you know, things did go on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it resulted in Monique being blackballed, but also seeing the other people and all the other players in this and their responses is interesting. Um, and I don't, I don't know. It's first of all, you calling Tyler Perry, Mr. Medea uh-huh. <laughs> girl. Um, What's interesting to me about this girl, what's interesting to me about this situation is it's very reminiscent of like, you know how when, let's say there's an issue in a family, right? Mm -hmm. And some people in the family would be like, don't tell nobody else. It -hmm. needs to stay in the family. Like they don't want it to get out. Mm -hmm. And then if it do get out, then the victim or the person who is alleging that something was perpetrated against them is often targeted as the aggressor or they're often shunned instead of the person who perpetuated the wrong. Right. That's Mm -hmm. what this kind of reminds me of. Whereas a lot of black people are arguing like, well, Monique should have did this and she should have just kept quiet or she should have just, you know, accepted all this BS and not spoke out about all the the wrongs that were done to her. She should have quote unquote kept it in her family. And the why is she attacking, you know, all these other like successful black people, but you know, we need to, we need to talk about situations like this because we, things need to change. Exactly. And we can't continue to allow this behavior to happen. Um, we can't continue to perpetuate this idea of you have to act a certain way. You have to be a certain way to be successful. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if a person is saying this is an experience that I've had and this is what it resulted to, we should listen to their, what they have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, <laughs> I think that it, this situation is coming back because she actually went step further. You know how most people, when they talk about situations like this, they don't really drop names. She was like, no, Oprah, Lee, mm-hmm. Tyler. I'm talking mm-hmm. to y'all. <laughs> yep. And I think what a lot of people don't understand, um, my cousin and I were having this conversation the other day. When things happen, we don't get to tell people how they should feel about what happened to them. Mm-hmm. even if we're the person that did it so let's say like me and you get into it I can't then apologize and then be like well Maine, what I said actually didn't you know hurt your feelings or it, it, it didn't affect you you know what I mean or this wasn't traumatic for you we don't get to decide how somebody else views their experience so even if we feel like you know we tired of hearing from Monique or whatever it is that you feel about it. What you don't get to do is decide how Monique can feel about it. Mm-hmm. So if she want to keep bringing it up and keep talking about it, go for it. But I mean, and if, and if certain behavior doesn't get called out, that's how things continue. Just like you said earlier, when families say, you know, keep this in the house, that's how things keep happening. Mm-hmm. 
And that's how, you know, you end up with people that don't feel safe speaking up. And it's, and it's always like, to me, it always feels like it's always something with black women. Like it's all always. black women always have to be the ones to be quiet and be strong and just deal with whatever comes our way. And we're tired of it. Ain't nobody got time for that. You know, Kiki Palmer, when she was on the breakfast club talking about her situation with Trey songs, mm. she said that same thing. She said, nobody wants to listen to black women. Nobody wants to value what we have to say. It's always, anytime we bring something up, it's like, why are you trying to bring that black man down? Or, you know, you should just keep it on the low. No, because continuing to do that is not going to, nothing's going to change. It's going to keep happening Mm -hmm. and it's going to continue to damage people. And, and and like also the part of it, it continuing to hurt people or damage people is going to, until we start talking about things, it's going to make it harder for us to be able to heal. Yes. And And that's a big part of it. And you know how they say that trauma is uh, multi-generational. And you can feel, you can, you know, you never know how trauma is going to affect the generations that come after you Mm -hmm. and people's behavior. So you have to do your part to end that trauma. Exactly. And so, and, and sadly, like so many people don't even realize that they are creating environments where the trauma feels comfortable. Basically, mm-hmm. like you're creating environments where everything has to be hush hush. Nobody knows anything. And now for generations going forward, your family is going to struggle because you weren't willing to get uncomfortable for a little bit and heal from some stuff mm-hmm. and listen to some stuff because we all can be wrong in a situation. We we all can cause trauma to somebody. And even if it's not intentional. But, yeah. I mean, we're just not going to know. If, if the idea is that Black women should just be quiet and take it, then that's going to mean years of Black women continuing to struggle. And we don't, we, you know, we've been through enough. <laughs> Listen. How much more do we have to take? What Tyree say? What more do you want from me? Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I be like, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I don't got time for it. I'm not going to be quiet about certain things. I'm not going to allow people to just do whatever, whenever, and let them think that that's acceptable. Nah. Not a fan of that. Hmm. And I think we should start beating up racist people. Oh yeah, I'm yeah. <laughs> but okay, moving on. So our last topic of conversation, and honestly, it's kind of similar or related to um, uh-huh. what we talked about. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mister Darius. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Darius Cooks, also known as Darius Crooks, also known as Why is y'all still letting this boy cook? Listen, because when he made that quote-unquote cake with that cornbread and them greens in the middle and the mashed potatoes as dicing and the fried chicken on top. Child, when I seen him cooking with his colonoscopy bag, (laughs) I was done then. I didn't even even know 
what he was cooking in the video. But baby, this ain't this ain't hygienic. Okay, you over there having tummy tucks and lipo and whatever else you had done, and you feeding people some BS. And so, again, and again, a black woman called him out a long time ago. Ben, Angela, Ben told to she been told y'all what was up, and people still refused to accept the BS that he was on, which leads us to the situation we're in now with Mr. Crooks. Mm-hmm. So, for those of you all who don't know, um, I believe it's today this story broke, or over the last couple of days, this story broke that Darius rented an Airbnb. And, you know, if you've rented an Airbnb or if you've gone through a vacation rental, you know that when you are making that rental, they have a very strict set of rules that you have to follow. Uh-huh. And especially when we start talking about occupancy, um, you know, parties, things like that. And this is not necessarily just because these are people's personal preferences. This is also related to like city ordinances, state law, things like that when it comes to running your home or a property as an Airbnb. So when you book, you have to agree that you won't have more than the, you know, stated people and Airbnb, things like that. So Darius rented an Airbnb. And from what I gather, he used this Airbnb as a location to throw a dinner party. Like his previous dinner parties that he's done in the past that people be paying like $200 a ticket and sometimes more for which uh-huh. I do not understand. But he threw this dinner party and in the process of throwing this dinner party, he moved, not like moved major appliances, not like a toaster or a blender, like the uh, fridge, I think the stove. He also destroyed a bunch of, uh, these are alleged allegations from the homeowner. He destroyed electrical outlets. He destroyed the dishwasher. When she, when he notified her of the problems he was experiencing, she tried to send a, an electrician there. He would not let the electrician in. They could not understand why. Come to find out, it was because he was having that party there and he wasn't supposed to. And it has just spiraled into this thing where he Darius is doing his normal thing of gaslighting, he apparently he didn't post it like her personal information. He posted uh-huh. stuff about her kids, her family. Uh-huh. Uh, Called himself trying to quote unquote clear a bitch. That's what he tweeted before he deleted his page because apparently now it's gone. But because I'm wondering where did this all take place? Because the the Airbnb owner, um, her husband had been trying to get in contact with uh, Mr. Crooks and have been putting his phone number out, like, call me directly, you know, whatever, which I don't even blame him because when you get to talking about wives and kids, you should know that the husband is coming. Mm-hmm. And he, um, his phone number that he posted, I believe, is a 313 area code. It wouldn't surprise me if it happened here because I want to say he's from Chicago or somewhere Midwestern. And He's thrown events here in the past. Like, Mm. to my understanding, Detroit is one of the locations where people tweeted about paying tickets for 
a dinner party that either didn't happen or happened and you know it was less than satisfactory what kills me about this man is that there is a proven history of his business dealings mm-hmm. as fraudulent as him being a scammer all of these different types of things and yet there are still people to claim that people are out to smear his name he's you know he's a great businessman like if this was all hearsay or if this was just a story or you know alleged rumors but there are documents (laughs) like Mm -hmm. there, there are legally binding documents that prove he do not pay his employees he you know he scam people out of money he owe people money like at some point where do you start to realize that this man is a fraud and And he has no problem with being a fraud right he he jokes about it he and people joke about it with him and it's just wild to me that people will use that same argument of like oh y'all trying to tear a black man down and um, you know, this this is not something that should be out in the public eye. Well, we mm-hmm. when I tried to handle this personally, you ain't want to do all that. So not everybody about to know. And he, you he tearing me? y'all down. He do everything you like. People are saying that other people like why you know why you're trying to tear him down. Why he trying to tear you down? Right. And why why you tearing down other businesses in the process? He's serving y'all food that's probably gonna clog your arteries. If if it's even good. It's probably actual food. Nasty. And it's very interesting that all of these things that he has perpetrated have been against black women. Of course. And that that was my main issue with him is that when the kitchenista called him out, he had all kinds of words for her. When this um, Airbnb owner, when she, you know, spoke up, he had all kinds of words for her. But when it came time for her husband to speak up, and her husband saying, you know, hey, call me because now you've involved not only my wife, but my children. And what that man say, um, this is a forever problem. Mm-hmm. Felt that, okay? That's, That's like that gift of Cardi B when she was like, <laughs> <laughs> we got to be forever. Forever. <laughs> but it's it's so funny. I remember when he was like, uh, he tried to say, I love black women. I'm gay. You know, like, what do I got to do with you being a piece of shit? Like, <laughs> like okay, and? Like, this is ridiculous. And I really hope, even though I know that's not true, because it's very clear people was arguing with uh the kitchenista today about the stuff that she was posting. Um, so it's clear that people are gonna continue to support them. I just I really wonder what is it going to take for people to wake up and realize that he is a danger to kitchens everywhere. The thing is they're never gonna realize it. They're never going to realize it. And and I know this because we still see people, celebrity black men being supported, knowing what they have done to women. Because yeah. y'all act like us t- telling you don't play R. Kelly is, is the end of the world. And people are like, well, I'm that. still listening to him. Like, why? Why? Just why? Like, what has this man done for you? And and if you gonna do it, why you gotta be so loud about it? Okay. Like, what is what is your vocal support of this man doing? 
Like, if you like, can play him in your own home, then by any means, whatever. That's your business. Right. But why you, yeah, like, why you got to be different? Like, ooh, oh my God, you so taboo. Look at you going against the crowd. You right. want a cookie? Be, like, I, first of all, and then I'll be like, and this will this be my thought. You steady. I have seen so many people posting like, "Oh, I love him. I'm still gonna play his music." Blah blah. blah. You do realize he can't even read well enough to read your status. <laughs> <laughs> he can't read. <laughs> that should be enough for you. Ciao. You know what? I don't even want to get into it because I can't. Girl, they st- still about to be following this man recipes, and they and I'm like, right on to the freaking hospital because this nigga serving y'all for foolishness. Somebody tweeted that they went to one of his dinners and they was talking about the like the menu and the courses because he loves doing like seven course meals and it'd be seven courses of bullshit, but <laughs> seven packs of ramen noodles. That it just as they were tweeting it, I'm like, you cannot be serious, bro. The, like <laughs> the one girl she tweeted, she said she um I guess she was unemployed during the pandemic and so she was, you know, trying to, you know, get some money. So she reached out to him thinking that, you know, they could help each other out. So she was helping him to create one of his events or whatever. Come to find out, he charging like two hundred and some dollars a, a plate. And um she knew he was getting food from this restaurant. And just putting it in different, you know, containers Girl. as if he had cooked it. So the meal that the people would have paid for, it would have been like $40, including their drinks. But he charging them 200 and something. And from food that he didn't even cook. For food, he did not even make that. All he did was take it out of the refrigerator. And it's stuff like yeah. that that irritates me because people will pay for that. And then you, on the flip side, you, you got somebody that's scamming their own community, their own people. That'd be my problem. You're going to scam the government, go for it. But Okay. You scamming your own people, I have a problem with that. And then, like, y'all pay two hundred something dollars for this man food that you know he can't cook. He was cooking with a colostomy bag hanging off his nipples, and y'all just just kept on just buying stuff from. Him. But then we got you know black designers that's up in their prices, and y'all are raising hell. Y'all are up in arms, and it's wild because you don't have to buy it. Listen, they're like, oh, so far it's up in their prices, not even real leather. Okay, and your eyelash is not real. Your hair is not real. Let's move on. Like they still have affordable bags that and you can purchase. Cute. And if you don't want them, shut up. Yeah, I know what Fantasia said. If you don't want me, then don't talk to me. That's <laughs> okay, what I do. Period. What I do? Just not say nothing. Just me and my tail part, We gonna step. Okay. Okay. Period. <laughs> With the boots. What's up? Period. <laughs> Well, well, Shariah, think, I think this has been a good episode. I think so, too. We had a couple of laughs. We educated the people. Mm-hmm. Shouted out some businesses and some um, entrepreneurs at the And beginning. some mess. And some mess. You know, what more can y'all ask from us? We have given y'all, in a, about a minute and a half, it's going to be a solid one-hour episode. And we have not done that in a minute. A while. Listen, because many souls have been my jam, okay? Okay. <laughs> but make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, The New Kids LLC, 
make sure you rate us. Follow us on the socials at the New Kids LLC. Our website is still under construction, but definitely make sure you check out our Patreon. We are the New Kids Detroit on Patreon. We're working on dropping some new great content for you all. Um, definitely make sure you keep updated on our socials because we are going to announce our next book club meeting. And I'm really excited. Um, have I missed anything, Shariah? Um, oh, if you have any topics or anything that you want us to discuss, or if you would like to read with us, simply send us an email at the LLC at gmail.com. All right. Well, I think that is it. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. See y'all next time. The new kids are out. Bye. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify. You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network.